you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome back to I Might Be Wrong. We're sorry we left you alone for a little while, but we're back. Hey, Henry. Hey, Rich. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you, mate? I'm very well. I've got a beer in my hand. Excellent. So that makes life uh, better. Yes, beer is always good. I am well. We're enjoying the same beer because we're sharing them. Yeah. We're recording at yours, which is nice. Always good. Yes, we have a, a spaniel in the room. So if <laughs> Very anyone collapsed-looking spaniel, if anyone does hear dog noises, it's not Rich. It's um, yeah, it's this little creature. I mean, it might be me. Well, it could be, but, but you know, I at least I have an excuse. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Well, life's been busy. Uh, work got busy. Life got busy. Uh, I am halfway through renovation, so living with the parents at the moment, which is good. I'm I'm enjoying spending time with them, but I'm also it's nice to give them a weekend of space and be here at yours for a little bit instead. Yeah, and with that space, we have found time to talk about an album. Yes, uh, and I think it's your choice. It is, and it's one that I sulked at you when you brought this guy to the party way back in I think episode twelve. Okay. It's Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, again, and I guess we should, we shouldn't apologise for doubling up on an artist when we've missed out. I mean, there are. Th- let's be very clear: there are lots of very, very well-known artists and bands who we haven't yet done, who we're planning to do. Don't worry, we haven't run out of material. Um, <laughs> but this one, I think, is an album that's, that is quite close to your heart. Yes, it's very dear to my heart. It's, it's one of those albums that when you're in your what early-ish twenties and you find an album that you absolutely love and connect with you just have that connection that sticks around it's the same in your teens i guess but it's one of those ones where it was something just a bit different to the things that i've been listening to and it really grabbed hold of me and i mean something stevens just the way he delivers i think his vocals the way he plays his music the way he writes is just it's something that i just really enjoy well explain how you found the album because we've gone into a lot of his backstory in the previous episode but this album in particular how did you how did you bump into it so i think we might have talked about this on the last episode but for those of you who don't remember things we released two years ago i was writing for the student newspaper in my final year and we've definitely mentioned that in the past and this was an album that i'm not sure anyone else was massively interested in and i hadn't heard of the guy i was just like well i haven't got an album to review yet I'll grab this one. How does that actually work? So there's a process, they put all the albums on a table and people just pick them up and took them home. So the way it worked was the editor and deputy editor always got first dibs. Because, you know, the, the albums come into them, they have a rifle through, they find the bands that they want to have the albums for and take those albums. And then they will turn up at the weekly meeting and basically what happens is they'll rifle through the albums and they'll call the names out and if you are the quickest person to go yep i want that one you you get the album to review and the trick was always not to jump the gun too early because there might be a really an album that you really want later on but if you've already got one you're going to be behind someone else in the queue for that second one you might get a second album in any given week but it's unlikely Uh and so for this one no one really went for it and i just went you know what i I haven't heard anything else come up that i particularly want why not i'll grab this one that's cool because i i remember you uh, playing it because we were living in the same 
would have been fourth year. That's right. Because I remember listening to it and just thinking, wait a second, what is this? This is not the kind of music we would play in the flat. Right. It's very different. Yep. And I obviously had to listen to it to do the review and the way that I worked after the first couple that I'd done, I realized that I wasn't giving albums enough time. So I would play something and I'd play it over and over and over again, which probably explains why I now obsessively listen to stuff when I like it. Yeah. But I also, it was part of the, we've talked about this with Kid A, that realization of sometimes there's things hidden in albums that you might get a hint of to start with. But once you listen to it a few times, that will all be unraveled and revealed to you. Yeah. And I think we've said this a few times before that in the modern age, it's harder to do that because when you have a physical album and you don't have any other means of listening to new stuff, you just by default play it again. Yeah. Whereas now you can just click next on Spotify and off you yeah. go. Millions of playlists, millions of albums, very easy to do. But yeah, this this one I think grabbed me very early on anyway there was something about the fragility and the quiet beauty to it that mm. reminded me of things like simon and garfunkel the carpenters that kind of stuff that my parents used to listen to that didn't really appeal to me from my mid-teens to my early 20s because i was listening to more raucous rock music and getting into electronica and that kind of thing and so i think this was one of the first things that brought me back to that quiet singer-songwriter type. I remember having the same reaction to Catherine Williams when she was up for the the Brit Award yeah. and no one had heard of her and she'd sold like 3,000 copies beforehand. And it's that, oh, this is something really, really strong, even though it's quiet. Yeah. And, and if you tried to sell this to someone at the time and you said... It's one guy with a banjo singing about Christian songs. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it's 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 potentially a difficult sell because it's a religious album. Kind of, it's that's the direction. Yeah, I'm and, I'm pulling faces at Henry here. It gets a bit of a negative thing in music circles because there's Christianity interwoven in here, and obviously. You know, if you say the words Christian rock, people will immediately be put off. But Stevens himself was very careful not to really push the Christian religious thing himself. He was he was quite nervous about that. So actually, there's two things to this album. We were discussing this before we recorded. There's two things to this album that I hadn't noticed until I really came back round to listen to it. So one of them was this Christian aspect that you mentioned. And part of that is that I don't think it's really in the forefront. There are the occasional reference to Moses and things like that. But there's a lot of it that is mostly coded rather than in your face. And the other thing is the banjo. There's a ridiculous amount of banjo in here that I not really... It hadn't been distracting, if that makes sense. Yeah. But Stevens himself says about the Christianity side of things... It's really complicated and problematic to bring any kind of religion into, especially someone that might be pop music or even independent music. So I'm very much aware of that and how awkward and dangerous it is. I have no interest and no skill in evangelizing or indoctrinating anyone, and that's not my calling, that's not my role. And I find the methods of that to be really offensive, and I think so many religions have been misrepresented through offensive measures. So it's interesting that he's really anti that rather than just 
leaning into it like a lot of american christians would particularly ones from the midwest yeah and i think what you've described is exactly how the album has played out he's actually nailed it because you hear the compassion that he wants to try and bring across from his faith but it doesn't feel like he's trying to force it on anyone he's just trying to say this is the way i've been taught about life yeah and this is the way i feel about my religion and i'm not trying to tell anyone else how they should feel about theirs and i guess that's something we should cover that i don't think we did last time which is to talk a little bit about who he is yeah so he's an american singer songwriter and multi-instrumentalist he's detroit born and got into music while attending hope college as a member of Murzuki, who were a folk rock band based in holland michigan he actually went solo himself in late 1999 he talks about the fact that his family aren't particularly musical but he was drawn to it partly because there was a lot of silence at home in his younger years he and his sister both learned instruments and she learned piano he learned oboe he said he was tricked into playing oboe at school because his mum was told by the teacher that he would be the only oboist and would get all the solos clever but his sister was learning the piano he wanted to learn to play that because he liked how it sounded and so he would listen to what she was practicing and then when she was out he'd try and play them by ear that's interesting because the oboe doesn't really take you anywhere in the world of music it's kind of it's a bit of a a road to nowhere because i've got a couple of friends who are oboe players and that's kind of it you can play in an orchestra have fun (laughs) you would have to be like top 0.001 percent of all oboists to actually make a good career out of it because then you'd get into like one of the big philharmonic orchestras somewhere but if you're not doing that you're probably not earning a living doing it but he must be musical because he's picked up a banjo because i think a lot of the banjo playing on this album is him yeah he has i think basically been self-taught on a bunch of instruments which i guess when you teach yourself to play piano by ear that lends itself to then translating to just i know what notes i want to make how do i do it with this instrument and that instrument and you can sort of just learn a lot a lot of different ones yeah i think there's also an element of musicians when you're actually earning money making a career out of being a musician the time that that gives you to then experiment with other instruments yeah it's something that people don't get i mean it's harder these days because a lot of people who are in bands even when they're touring and have records out there that are on spotify and getting listened to still have to have second jobs that are their day jobs it's a very small number of them that actually get to focus on that as a full-time career which i think is sad yeah agree but yeah he's released like 20 albums across solo and collaborations which in itself is hugely impressive but the variation in style is also quite impressive. So everything from this very quiet, softly spoken acoustic folk all the way through to Electronica in, I think, is it Age of Ads? That's right, yeah. And this album is very much the acoustic. There aren't very many bells and whistles. Yeah, so I guess I should tell people what album we're actually talking about because I don't know that we've mentioned the name yet. We probably haven't, no. (laughs) Oops, anyway. So Seven Swans, it's one of his very first and it was actually a collaboration and he gives a guy called Daniel Smith a lot of the credit for co-writing and playing a bunch of the instruments on it. As we mentioned, there's Christian elements to it but there's also elements that are talking about people in his life and just his views on life generally which Mm. I think makes for a very 
it's a really good listen if you like that kind of quieter music. If you want something that's loud instruments, lots of drums, all that kind of stuff, you're going to be sorely disappointed by this. But if you like the quieter side of things, I think it's a really lovely album. Yeah. When you first got this album and started listening to it, did you get drawn in just by the concept of a, a quiet album? Or is there a song that just hooked you and dragged you in? Or was it a, a style? Or... I think it's the overall style. I think it's the sound of it. Something that's quieter like this almost demands your attention. Yeah. Because you can't wander off and do other things because you need to focus in to make the most of it. It opens with all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. And it's this quiet, simple banjo motif at the start with gentle strings in the background. Mm -hmm. But that builds and swirls and it gets quite big in a quiet way, if that makes sense. Yeah. I always think it's quite intriguing rather than compelling, but it's a really nice track to open the album with. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that I found while I was doing the research for this is apparently, so I was looking for inspirations. And one of the things he says is inspired by is... English romantics like Blake and Wordsworth and I think some of the lyricism and the the wordiness of his lyrics shines through and sort of reflects that a bit yeah he does have a have a way with lyrics I'm going to jump to the dress looks nice on you yeah and with lovely lyrics I can see a lot of life in you is just this line which is lovely yeah he he picks out clever little lines in, in his songs and I think it needs his delivery as well because that line would either feel throwaway or cliche in someone else's mouth. True. There's a story behind this. Go on. I, I don't. I haven't heard any stories behind any of his songs. So, cool. So this is a story from when he was a freshman in high school. So that is like 14, 15 years old, that kind of age. Yeah. He met a girl called Robin who was... I think a senior so she would have been 18 and he would have been 14 or 15 at the time and they used to spend a lot of time together she had a car they'd drive around go to lakes and rivers and she would want to go shopping lots and try on clothes and apparently one time she asked him how he looked and he as an immature teenager said it looked complicated right the dress that she was wearing yeah and she said no you're supposed to say the dress looks nice on you hence his own name oh wow that's cool and so the song is a sort of thank you to her for the part she played in trying to teach him how to be a bit more of a gentleman and a bit more thoughtful in how he approached relationships that's cool that's a good backstory yeah like you say it's almost simple lyrics but just really lovely and i think his earnest delivery for this stuff earnest delivery is an interesting one because i think it it's something that draws me in but might put a lot of people off yeah um yeah i i think more people would enjoy the way that he sings rather than not we've featured a few bands where the front man and it's often a man will sing in quite a unique style yeah. um i'm thinking bands like decemberists yeah who sound like you know colin malloy sounds like a donkey whereas with Sufjan stevens it's a it's a lovely voice yeah and I do love the way the acoustic guitar and the banjo sort of dance around each other in this track. Yeah, he does that a lot. That whole instrument's kind of almost talking to each other. Yeah, intertwined is it's really nice. I'm going to move on to To Be Alone With You. Oh, I, I, this is one of my favourite songs on the album. It probably is my favourite. It's wonderful. This one is laden with his Christianity. So 
It's about Jesus, his relationship with his faith. I like the fact that it's ambiguous enough that it could just feel like a simple love song. In fact, that's how I read it the first few times I heard it. I didn't think, I didn't notice anything religious about it. I just, I thought it was a love song. Yeah, and that's exactly how I felt about it. So the lines, I'd swim across Lake Michigan, I'd sell my shoes, I'd give my body to be back again in the rest of the room to be alone with you. It's so beautiful and it is about giving up material things and focusing on spirituality and Christianity, but it is exactly that. It feels like the same way that you might feel about someone that you've been separated from, that you love, that you want to spend more time with. It's the same feeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't divert from the style we've already said. It's there's a it's what an acoustic guitar yep i think yeah uh, and not much else just yeah. the voice oh the harmony in the chorus makes me weep it's so beautiful yeah um, absolutely gorgeous standout track yes definitely uh, a size too small yeah a, a song which i kind of it's not a, a track i'd jump to see i really like it this is more of the same lady from the dress looks nice on you. Okay, yeah. So the reason I know about this is that he'd talked about these two tracks on a live recording from him talking about them in between tracks. I found this on one of the sites online where someone had basically transposed this into into some text so that we could actually enjoy it and right. read it. Uh, so he says... The next year, Robin got a little smart and she thought, well, she was interested in getting a husband and she thought, well, maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. We decided to be friends because they'd sort of been dating. Yeah. And she put her name in this computer dating service. They match you up according to your personality. This was really popular back then too. It wasn't internet dating because we didn't quite have the internet back then, but it was, you go into the office, they match you up with your likes and your dislikes. So that's how she met her fiance, Rob, which I was very happy for her. But it all happened so fast and within five months she was engaged and she was married and she was inviting me to the wedding to be in the wedding. So that was fun. You know, it wasn't so much that I was devastated, but you know, when you're 14, it's just all sorts of chemical things going on in your body and you don't really know how to process everything. So I found it really hilarious, but also really devastating too. So I was kind of a little bipolar at the time. I went to the wedding and uh, it was very surreal. It was very hot. There was no air conditioning in the church and it was August. My tuxedo was a little too tight. This song is called A Size Too Small. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's, um, there's a lot in that song, I guess. There's nothing quite like the emotional devastation of being romantically messed about in your teens. Yeah. I think that that kind of thing will stay with you forever in in a kind of very clear way. Yeah, and I don't mean that in a nasty way and like I think Robin messed him around but the situation messed with his head and I think anyone who's been in love in their teens where it hasn't worked out will feel that way. Yeah, which is probably the majority of the world. (laughs) I'm I'm just (laughs) putting it out there, I'm guessing. Yeah, I love this. It's all introverted vocals and minor chords. It's just a really beautiful track. Yeah, maybe I should give it another listen. You should. A Good Man Is Hard To Find more acoustic guitar loveliness to open more positive vibes in this one feels a bit more upbeat it's a delicate balance with his voice in the instrument i think and i like how it opens out into the chorus i think it's a really nice release track if that makes sense yeah Uh, and then i'm going to jump to seven swans yep 
because this is this is kind of apocalypticness, isn't it? I think <laughs> it is a little bit, yeah. So this one's interesting in the way that it builds. So it starts with a really simple banjo melody, and for a while it feels like that might be everything it's going to be. And then the piano kicks in and it builds and builds and builds to a really chaotic crescendo. Yeah, which which makes sense. And it's kind of, it's dramatic, isn't it? It's got that kind of where the start of the album is, is quiet to the point where you can kind of almost drift off with it. This will wake you back up again. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And has done on occasion <laughs> to me. I think it's a nice counterpoint to, like you say, some of the quieter stuff. And... It just is a really, really interesting, complex end-ish to the album. Yeah. I think this type of song helps just bring the album together a little bit because without it, you're at, you've just got a lot of acoustic, quiet stuff, which can get a little bit samey if you don't have something like this yeah. stuck in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's really all I want to highlight from that album. I don't think this is going to be the end of us talking about Sufjan Stevens because we've now talked about his second and third best albums and I guess we'd argue about which is which in that list well we know which one's better but (laughs) yeah Seven Swans yeah whatever (laughs) but I do think that we'll have to come back because I think we are pretty much agreed on what his best album is which is Carrie and Lowell agree yeah but that may be in a few kind of hundred episodes time because (laughs) we keep saying this there are and I think it's it's probably fair to say that we we mention it when we talk about big albums, but they do take a little bit more work and there are some big albums coming down the tracks from, probably from both of us, which yeah, you kind of need to give a bit more time to. Yeah, and going back to Seven Swans and Illinois, you mentioned this earlier today, so I'm going to give you credit for the thought process here, that these are both albums that you can hear the bones and the starter of what his music will become over time. Yeah. And I do think that's true. The criticism of this is that maybe there's a bit too much just acoustic and there could be something more there. And I think that's the same with Illinois, where it's it's not one-dimensional, but it's it's one theme and idea that he's pursuing through that album. And I think both of them are foundational to the stuff that comes later. Uh, in actually in a really positive way because a lot of artists go backwards and rather than building a a kind of a style and a career you get an incredible first album and then that's it and the ideas have gone yeah whereas i think you know it's fair to say the really great artists go on a bit of a trajectory yeah and you can you can go and talk about i don't know the stones pink floyd i mean we can probably <laughs> list them like radiohead the, the bands that have knocked out a great first album and then continued to do great albums and and Sufjan Stevens, you know, he's he's kind of done that. He's got that that trajectory of producing better albums. I think what's interesting is when I first heard this, I just assumed it would be one of those one-off albums where you hear it and you love it and no one else pays attention and the artist just vanishes and you never hear from them again. And yet this is a man who's built, what, two decades worth of career now and has got bigger and bigger to the point where he's... He's not necessarily a household name in the way that, you know, someone like Lady Gaga or someone like that is, but he's a big enough name that lots of people will have heard of him. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, you don't want to use the word mainstream, but in the circles of people who really enjoy their music, which is probably 
most people listening to this podcast, yes. <laughs> everyone would probably go, yeah, we, we, we know this guy. Yeah, and I do think that there's an element of everyone will have heard stuff by him even if they don't recognise his name. Yeah. Like um, his stuff will have gone in, on TV, on films, on adverts probably. Yeah, I think so. Although it's not as commercially usable as some of the bands that we've talked about. No, it's more likely to end up in an indie film than a mainstream film, but certainly there's there's a possibility there. And I do think that there's an element of, again, like I say, it's the kind of individual that when you hear one album, you think, oh, this is lovely, but it'll never make it big. And so it's really satisfying when that person does make a decent-sized career for themselves. Yeah, and, and he has. He's, yeah. uh, he's nailed it. So, yeah, excellent album to bring along. We probably won't go through the whole seeing them influences because we've done all this already but um right yeah. i mean i've talked about how incredible his performance was at end of the road like that is that is a performance that i can immediately bring back to mind yeah. anytime because it's it's indelibly imprinted in there wow and and yeah i would happily go and see him live again anytime yeah i've i've not seen him shame <laughs> you should i should given the chance you should Good. Well, um, yeah, I, I think I think a formative album in terms of his career, and you can see where his it's gone. But also, I guess for you and your musical listenings, it's kind of diverted your yeah. taste a bit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks for joining us, folks, and thanks for having us back. We know we were gone for a little while, but we'll be back for a little while again. Now we'll try and record more regularly and get some stuff out to you. We shall. There we go. Cheers, folks. See ya. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.